0: It's good to be here today. I want to talk about the resurrection, of course. It's Easter Sunday. The sad thing is that I fear we don't talk about the resurrection nearly enough. It's just not right to talk about it, thank you, once a year or so. This is such a great day because Everything that we believe, everything that we are is confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, as Paul told the Corinthians, we are still in our sins. And praise and glory be to God that we can stand here today free, redeemed, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are not in sin. We are free from sin because Jesus rose from the grave. What in the world happened there? It wasn't like that on my computer. Anyway, I hope I can focus. Resurrection simply means raising the dead to life again. It's giving life to what was dead. In fact, it's the story of the Bible. It's the story of the Bible. The whole Bible is about the resurrection. It's about living, dying, and being raised to life again. You open your Bible, you begin to read, and the first thing you read about is creation. It's the story about how all things came into existence by the power and the genius of God, the source of life. It then reveals to us how that sin and death entered into the picture and destroyed fellowship that man had with God. The rest of the Bible's narrative is simply about how God brings to life again, how he restores and renews that which had died. And so all the stories, all the people, the stories about individuals, the stories about families, the stories about nations, all of those things, if you stand back and take a look at it, they all have a common thread, a common theme, and that theme is God recreating, renewing, giving life. And so it's very important that we understand that. Resurrection is about new life. Let me give you some examples of how all the stories in the Bible relate to God's work of recreation, renewal, and giving life. Remember in the flood the world was destroyed by these waters And out of the ark comes Noah and his family and those animals that were protected there to start a new life, a new world. And in the same way that life came out of that ark, life, the life of Jesus came out of that tomb. Abraham, remember, he was called by God to leave his homeland, to leave everything that he had grown up with, everything that he knew, that in a sense was a sort of a renewal, a resurrection, out of paganism, out of a kind of death. Abraham left that and he began to live a new life, a new kind of life, a new way of life. The near sacrifice of Isaac, remember when Abraham was told to take Isaac, his son, and sacrifice him. That is a sort of resurrection as well, because in Abraham's mind, in his heart, in his intent, he was going to obey God. He literally had got the knife and raised it and was about to take the life of his son. In his mind, Isaac was as good as dead, and God stepped in and saved his life and brought resurrection God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath day, he rested. There is a correlation between the resurrection and creation. That seventh day that God rested from his works was a day to represent fellowship with God. After all God had done, after all God had made, God's intent was that he would have fellowship, perfect, lovely, wonderful fellowship with man. But then sin entered into the picture. Sin broke that relationship. And man was put out of the Garden of Eden. And in the Bible, we read a lot in the New Testament about the first day. The first day is the same as the eighth day in a week, right? You have the the six days of creation. You have the seventh day, the Sabbath rest. And then you've got the next day, which will be the eighth day or the first day. There is a whole lot of theology, and we can do a whole sermon about the eighth day, the first day. The eighth day, you'll remember, was the day that all the Israelite males were to be circumcised. What did that stand for? What did that represent? Well, it was a covenantal act. They were circumcised as a sign of a covenant that God had made with this nation of people. And so to be in on that covenant, to be a part of that nation, to be accepted, the males had to be circumcised. But we know from a study of the scripture, this physical circumcision of the flesh represented a spiritual reality that what God was really interested in, what he really wanted was a circumcision, if you will, a cutting of the heart, of the mind of man. He wanted man's heart. He wanted man to turn to him so that in a true covenant relationship that God would establish in that covenant that he wanted and desired, a covenant of love, a covenant of fellowship, in that new covenant, we find on the eighth day, on the first day, The first day of creation, the Holy Spirit began his work of creating. On the eighth day, the first day, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days after another first day, a day that Jesus rose from the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus was on the eighth day, the first day. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was on the eighth day or the first day. And so all of these events Show a renewal, a recreative act and work that God is beginning. Why? Because all of creation needed to be renewed and needed to be restored because of the effects of sin. Sin has messed everything up and God has set about to fix what was messed up, to renew it, to restore it, and this new creation, this new work has already begun in the context, in the present world that we live in. In the old world, the new world has already started up. Jesus was there at creation. In fact, according to Colossians chapter 1, he created everything that was created, that's what the book of John tells us also in the first 5 or 6 verses of John. And then in Romans chapter 8, in verses 18 through 23, we read that all of creation in fact, every created thing is in need of renewal, in need of recreation if you will, because of the effects of sin. And the Bible says here that all creation is as it were groaning waiting for that time, waiting for that day. And so God is going to create a new world, a new heavens, a new earth. But he's already opened it up. He's already begun here in our present world. So Easter is about new creation. Easter is about renewal. Easter is about transformation. It is about transformation that is received through the love and grace and mercy of God. We are being recreated. We are being renewed in the image of Jesus Christ. Because you see, all of our struggles, all of our problems, all of our pain, all of our hangups, all of our stuff that we deal with, all the broken relationships, all the ways that we are messed up, And all of us are in some way or another. All of our struggles, all of our problems, all of our anxieties, all of the things that we deal with exist because of sin. Sin's the problem. And the resurrection of Jesus is the answer to the problem. New life recreation, restoration. That is the work that God is doing in Jesus Christ through his spirit. So this new world order has opened up and we celebrate it. We celebrate it with our lives. We celebrate it on the first day of the week when we gather together as a body of believers. We celebrate it when we take the Lord's Supper. We celebrate it at Easter, we celebrate it because we know what God is up to. We understand what he is doing. We have this hope that burns within us that no matter how bad things get, no matter how awful things are, no matter how long and hard the struggle, we have a living hope, Peter said, that is within us That it's not going to always be like this. It's not going to stay like this. And even when I die, that is not the end of the story. That's what Easter is about. And there are all kinds of glimpses of transformation throughout the life of Jesus. Remember the first miracle of Jesus. Jesus turns water to wine. What is that? That's a transformation, isn't it? Something being changed. And over and over and over, Jesus is going around changing things. He changes the social mores when he goes to Jacob's well in Samaria. A kosher Jew wouldn't even set foot in Samaria, much less talk to a woman in public in that day and time, the cultural norms or mores of the the day was that a male Jew would never talk to a woman in public. But that's what Jesus is doing. He goes to a public place. He finds a foreigner comes up there someone that a Jew would have nothing to do with, someone who is on the level of a dog, so far as a Jew is concerned, and Jesus is having a conversation with her. He's changing things. You see, Jesus knows that all people are equal, right? And so he's living that out. No matter what the world around him did, no matter the way that they viewed things, no matter the way that they operated, Jesus is bringing a new way of life. And so when he healed the sick, what's he doing? He's transforming a body, a person who is ill or a person who is injured, someone who may be maimed or crippled or blind or whatever, and Jesus heals that person what is that that's a renewal that's a recreation that's a restoration of what had gone wrong because either directly or indirectly sin enters into humanity and god's not going to allow that forever And he shows through the work of Jesus. He shows through the message of Jesus. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do something about this. It's not going to stay that way. And even the times where Jesus went to a grave and he rose the dead. When he raised the dead by the power of God, he was giving us a glimpse of the future of his own resurrection and a future glimpse of your resurrection and my resurrection because we will be raised from the dead because Jesus our Lord was. And we can have confidence in that. And so all these things that Jesus did, the Bible says in Acts 10, I think about verse 36, he went around doing good. All the good things that Jesus did, he's going around constantly doing good. He's healing, he's helping, he's giving, he's sacrificing, he sees the need of humanity and he's addressing it in every way. So his justice, his righteousness, and his goodness was opening the eyes of people to see a new way to live. And that's what Christians do. We follow Jesus' example. We are Christ followers. That's what a Christian's supposed to be. And so we go around doing good. We do good things. We help, we give, we serve, we sacrifice. Why? Because that's how Jesus lived. And so that's how we live. And what's the whole point of it? It is showing, however small or however great a thing you do, it is showing the world in which we live there is a better way to live. The way of God is better than the way of man, the ways of the world. When Jesus' disciples were baptizing people, That was a symbol of a new life, a new way to live. Eve was created out of Adam's side. God took a rib out of the side of Adam and he created Eve, the mother of all humanity. And out of the blood and water of Jesus' side, the church was created by God, which gives birth to the whole new race of people. There's a correlation between the exodus and the resurrection. So we talked about creation and God's new and recreative work. Well, one of the next major events in the Bible that most everybody's familiar with is the exodus. You've probably seen movies about it, heard songs about it. But if you look into the whole exodus story, it is a story of renewal. It is a story of life-giving. That's what God was doing in the Exodus. That's the whole point of it. That's what He's showing us. Remember the story of Joseph? Everybody remember the story of Joseph? His brothers sold him into slavery. They took his coat that his dad had given him. They put the, uh, the blood of goats on there and they went to his dad and they told him, Your son is dead. Look, this is what we found. Your son's dead. So, as far as Jacob was concerned, his son no longer lived. But what happened in the story? Joseph and his brothers and his dad, the whole family were reunited together, and the whole nation of Israel came out of that. You see the resurrection of that? You see the death and then the life, and we see it over and over and over and over again in the Bible because God is doing something, and he's trying to clue us in. Sometimes we're uh, thick-headed. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we're slow to believe and understand, but God just does it over and over again in his word because he's trying to make the point of this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And so the Exodus is a story of deliverance, right? The children of Israel were in great pain. They were slaves. They cried out to God all the time, help us, save us, where are you? Where have you been all of these 400 years? And God answered their cries. And God miraculously delivered them. He saved them. So what is all that a picture of? That is a picture of our being slaves to sin. Our crying out to God because of all of our struggles, all of our pain, all of our problems, all the death that surrounds us, all the injustice, all these things. And we cry out to God. And what does he do? He sends his son, Jesus, to come and die for us, to be an atoning sacrifice for us, to deliver us, to save us, to renew us. It's the Exodus. It's the Exodus all over again. And it's about new life, it's about resurrection. Later, centuries later, the Israelites fall into idolatry. They turn their backs on God, and so they are exiled. An enemy comes in, destroys their land, their holy city, the temple, and takes many of them away into a foreign land, and they are exiled there. What happens? They cry out to God. What does God do about it? He steps in and he delivers them. And so all of these stories, all of these promises... All of this work that God does points to the work of Jesus. It's the story of the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, that God would send to save his people. That's the story of the Bible. The Bible begins, think about it, the Bible begins with sin entering the picture and man leaving the Garden of Eden, paradise. And you can turn all the way to the end and the Bible ends with man going back into the garden, back to paradise, back to fellowship with God. That's what God is doing. So the story of the Bible is man's exile from life with God and our exodus or deliverance from sin, from our exile of sin, into life with God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The remedy of it all, the remedy of sin, the remedy of death, is the resurrection of Jesus. The story of Jesus' life, death, And resurrection for the salvation of the world is a resurrection to life from all the death and all the sin that you see around us every day. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. In the resurrection of Jesus, the scriptures have been fulfilled. Luke talked about that a little bit this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, and that on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. This was prophesied. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time but at that time your people shall be delivered everyone whose name shall be found written in the book and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life some to shame and everlasting contempt and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever anybody remember the promise that god made to abraham There you go. There it is. The descendants of Abraham would be like the stars of the sky. Abraham is the father of faith, the father of the faithful, and there's another reference to it. Now I stand here, Paul said, on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope For this hope, what hope is he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. He was having to defend his faith in Jesus at this time. And so in his defense, he lets them know that everything that he's been preaching and doing, everything that he's been arrested for and called on on account of, everything had to do with their scriptures. It had to do with the Messiah. It had to do with the resurrection. And so he says, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Why would you think that that is incredible or impossible, that God could do such a thing? Anyone who could create the world out of nothing can raise a dead body to life again. Jesus was God in a human body, therefore he was the son of God. He was also a human being, a man, who was God, thus the son of man. Jesus was the new Adam. Jesus was the Adam that the first Adam was intended to be, but never was. A whole race of people came from Adam. But in Jesus Christ, another race, a different kind, a recreated, renewed people, come forth but I want you to think for a moment about Jesus fulfilling the scriptures the scriptures taught about a messiah taught about a time of restoral renewal restoration all that kind of thing but nobody I'm telling you nobody there wasn't a Jew alive that ever contemplated or thought that it would be possible that there would have a crucified messiah they couldn't get their head around that That's why so many Jews did not accept Jesus because they were thinking in terms of, oh, King David or King Solomon, somebody like that. But no, Jesus doesn't come into Jerusalem with a huge army riding a white stallion dressed in robes of purple and and a, a fancy jeweled crown on his head. No, Jesus, the King of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of God himself comes in riding on a donkey he wasn't the kind of king that they anticipated or hoped for it was a whole different thing and Jesus was crucified he died a death that was reserved for the worst of the worst a death that was one of the most shameful, torturous ways that a human being could die That's how the Son of God came to this world. But I want you to think about this. He was buried, the Bible says, in a tomb where no man had ever laid. You think about that. That borrowed tomb where there had never been a dead man is where they put Jesus. That was a tomb that brought forth life, not death. There were two angels there, the Bible says, two angels, one at the head, one at the feet of Jesus. Do you remember anything like that in the Bible? Oh, there is one place. There is one place in the Bible where you read about something like that. Remember the two cherubims over the Ark of the Covenant, their wings are touching. What was the Ark of the Covenant anyway? What was that place called? It was called the Mercy Seat. That's where God dwelled. That was the very presence of God. And now we see the same thing at the resurrection of Jesus. The same thing. And so all of that stuff in the Old Testament, all those pictures, all those symbols, everything was fulfilled by Jesus. The spiritual realities that they pointed to came into reality when Jesus came out of that grave. And the only other time you read about the cherubims in the Bible is when they stood there at the Garden of Eden when man was put out of the garden. Think about the significance of that. That's when sin entered the world. That's when fellowship with God ended. And the cherubims wouldn't let man back in the garden. But now... Now, the cherubims are welcoming men back into paradise. That's why the veil was torn. That's why the stone was rolled away. That's why the grave was empty. And that's why the angels were there signifying that all that had happened to history to that point, to the resurrection of Jesus, was the work of God. He brought it all about. What a beautiful thing. So all the stories point to the resurrection. All the prophecies about restoration point to Jesus' resurrection. Baptism, and the Lord's Supper, points to the resurrection, new life in Jesus. Jesus, because he rose from the dead, was proved to be the Messiah, the Lord of the world. Peter said, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Acts 10:36, he is Lord of all. Revelation 17, 14. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And what does that mean? That means that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Praise team, why don't you come on up? Jesus is the Lord of all. of all. And that means me, and that means you. Now I want you to think about what we've studied today. I want you to think about all these things we've talked about. I want you to think about your own personal struggles. What's gone wrong in your life? What's gone wrong in your world? What are the ways that people have hurt you? What are the ways that you feel pain? All the things that have been done, all the things that you're dealing with, all of the things that you are personally struggling with today, I want you to think about this. Jesus can make you new. Okay? That's what all this is about. You don't have to live the way you've been living, you can have a new way of living. You don't have to continue to suffer. You don't have to continue to struggle, to flail away. You can find renewal. You can find restoration. You can find all the things that your soul craves. You can find peace in your life. You can find joy. You can live loved, accepted. You can be free from all your hang-ups, all your fears, all your anxiety. You don't have to worry about things, because God is making all things. It might not all be in the way that you think or in the time frame that you think. We've talked about the whole story of the Bible, centuries of what God was doing, right? But God knows what He's doing, and He's doing it well, and He's doing it right, and you can be a part of that. So today, we're going to sing this song. And afterwards we're going to have communion we're going to share the lord's table together and when you do that i want you to ask yourself what part of me needs renewed what part of me needs restored what part of me needs to be recreated and so when you take the lord's supper if you would like to pray with someone or have someone pray for you, then you just step right over here and there's going to be some people there and you can have prayer while others are taking the Lord's Supper, okay? Let's everyone stand and we'll have another song.